Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Betting of the Hound, second in week Sunday morning special. I hope your weekend's going good. It is a singular honor and pleasure once more to have on my friend and my brother, the walking boss, Mr. Kevin Davey. Woo! <laughs> hello, hello, hello. How are you going, brother? How's the day treating you so far? Uh, good, good. It's been uh, been a bit of a chill, lazy morning so far, but thank you for having me on again. I really appreciate it. It's lovely, always lovely spending time with you, even if it's only virtually. Exactly. I mean, we, I mean, there was so much that we just didn't get into last time, and I'm finding this is, uh, I don't know if that's like a, uh, a blessing or a curse, the fact that I always pick guests. It's like, well, we're going to need a week on this topic, so we can't do it in one hour. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, since the last bang, um, I think at that last point, we just had a, your 50 degree promotion. Um, but we kind of do a pickup from there. I understand you're now doing some work with the Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Union Director's Representative. Um, what's going on with that? Tell us about that. Well, um, I'm not really a, an official representative for the CJJU, but I mean, I've been with the CJJU since, um, I don't know if it's 2016 or 2017. Mm -hmm. um, as I as I think I explained the last time we spoke. Yeah. Um, shortly after, as you know, shortly after we moved here from England, my wife passed away, and shortly after that, my jujitsu instructor passed away. Um, so I was a bit, uh, you know, I figured, oh well, I'm a second down. I'll stay a second down for the rest of my life. But I'm happy with that, you know, blah blah blah. Um, so I was a bit of a Ronin you know um a mm -hmm. bit of a masterless samurai kind of thing teaching at various dojos and what have you and, and a, a martial arts friend of mine was telling me that he's a he's a member of the canadian jiu-jitsu union and i should uh reach out to the president and just say look i'm a, i'm homeless you know do you, would you like me to join or whatever so that's um, what started my association and relationship with the CJJU. I love the now, image of you like saying I'm homeless and then coming in with a shopping trolley with your gi belt hanging out of it and things like that as well. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> He's legitimately homeless. <laughs> yeah, with, with my bag of cans and all the rest of it. Um, but I joined the CJJU. They were very, very welcoming, open-armed. You know, once they saw what I could do and what have you, um, dare I say, they were happy to have me as an addition to the Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Union. Um, and since I joined, you know, um, every camp that they've had, whether it's been a summer camp, winter camp in Calgary or in BC or whatever, I've been invited to be one of the instructors. Um, ironically, I got a, a wonderful uh, thank you uh, card from um, Steve Hisco. Um, hey, look at that. Yeah, so basically, he went on to say that, um, you know, he wanted to drop me a note to tell me how much the CJJU appreciates me and my input and my and my um philosophies and and my positive attitude and my different jujitsu, you know, and Otherwise that's known as Kev Jitsu or sneak dirty Kev tricks. 30 cap tricks, exactly. And that's one of the interesting things to draw out on that because um, you are known as a jiu-jitsu man. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly that was how we first met um, yeah. with the, the jiu-jitsu instructor at a certain dojo that we both frequented for a time. Um, yeah. But you got uh, the actual art you founded, Ashitakai, was more than that. And you're, you had a background in that competition. And we did, again, briefly touch on it last time. So yeah. how does that feel from yourself? I mean, 
I flatter myself I'm in a position where I'm known as a little bit of a polymath. So it's like, well, Jay can grapple, he can hit, he can use weapons, he can do a bit of this. So kind of, yeah. if I have a niche that I get stereotyped to, it's the self-defense realm. But with yourself, you are seen as a grappler, but you are a little more than that. Let's be brutally honest, Kev. Um, <laughs> so I give, was. Give, give us that little background. <laughs> I, well, no, I, I don't think it's fair to say that you were, and I'll expand on that further, because we become the sum total of our experiences, and the total becomes more than the sum of the parts. You still have an insight and an ability to teach that should you choose to do so. And I can't help but think that's had a knock-on effect into the way you teach your own jujitsu. So it's not just jujitsu you're teaching, and this is what gives it its spice and its flavor. You bring in what you've done from before with that competition circuit, with that pressure testing and things. So a Shitsukai, although it is a jujitsu known system because of yourself, it really isn't. Is that something that you designed or do you think that's just, you know, this is the expression of my art as it stands right now and, and, and it's continuing to evolve anyway? Well, um, what I, I, I mean, you know, me and you and virtually every other experienced martial artist out there, we essentially, we essentially do what Bruce did. You know, we, mm -hmm. we look at martial arts as a buffet lunch and we take a bit from each plate to fill our own plate. Um, now, when I founded the Ashitakai system, um, I had been, I was, I was like, um, well, when I was, when I founded it, when it was officially recognized and I was officially graded on my own syllabus, uh, that was by Bob Firmer on Kevin Brewerton. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'd done is I had included elements of other arts I had tried and, and did well in, you know? Um, my very first art was judo. Um, three years after that, I went into karate. I'd been doing karate for about five years before I realized, you know what? You can be the best kicker and puncher in the world, but if someone gets you on the ground or comes up behind you, your kicking and punching isn't going to do you very much mm, good. Definitely. Uh, like, uh, also, likewise, it's like Billy Doak, my jiu-jitsu instructor, God rest his soul. He said to me once, he said, I will fight the best striker kicker or puncher in the world so long as I can fight him in a phone booth <laughs> you know so there are times when your your striking isn't going to be as there are situations where your striking may not be enough um, that's why I first got into jiu-jitsu um, so what I did when I first founded the Ashidakai system it was still predominantly competition based uh, karate style however I added into the syllabus certain put down, certain submissions, certain pressure point work, you know, uh, things that I picked up that I thought would be handy. Now, um, yes, I did do a lot of competition. Um, I, I used to fight on a circuit in England. Uh, I think it was the IKBKFO. I think that was the name of it. I was That's quite uh, the mouthful, Kev. As yeah, the it's the International Confer and um, Kickboxing Organization run by a guy called Clive Parkinson, who was a former world champion um, and I became the British IKBKFO um, champion three three years running um, but as I say I mean at the time um, in the syllabus itself I incorporated elements of other systems I'd done obviously including jiu-jitsu but it was still predominantly a karate style I was just adding a little bit of pepper in there um, and then, of course, I kind of like separated them. So before I left England, I was teaching competition karate twice a week, 
jiu-jitsu twice a week and then I was doing one day a week of my own training with my brother Avs over there. Um, when I came here, I retired from competition, so therefore decided to just concentrate on the jiu-jitsu, but I wanted to add my own little elements. You know, when I was grappling in England, um, I would never cut weight. I was lazy. I would never cut weight. So invariably, <laughs> like the, the, uh, the category I would fight in when I was grappling would be 175 pounds or over. So I'd sometimes be up against people 220, 230, you know what I mean? They were a lot bigger and stronger than me. So I had to adapt my jiu-jitsu style to my own physical capabilities so that my techniques were quicker, more painful, more effective. Um, so when I came here, after retiring from competition karate, that's what I kind of concentrated on. And that's that's when, when my students over here first... Uh, coined the phrase kevjitsu you know because it's jujitsu but it's a little bit different or the techniques are a little bit sneakier than your average jujitsu another thing is i mean like there are a lot of japanese jujitsu uh classes out there who just work on the self-defense from standing and they don't concentrate as much on the ground game mm. now the the advantage i had was billy dope was an eighth down in jujitsu and a sixth down in judo so he was always making us work on groundwork, which ignited my passion for the grappling. Um, and that's why I do get frustrated when I get certain people from certain arts saying, oh, no, Japanese jiu-jitsu doesn't include grappling. Well, yeah, you know what? It's down to your instructor. And my instructor gave me the foundation of a good grappling ability. I think and that I, also that a, a lot of that misconception comes down to the individual Ru or school, doesn't it? The Ruha, because the, uh, what most people don't know is the Kodakan didn't have Neiwaza when that was first founded. It was primarily no, true, true. It was an entirely stand-up style, um, and they experienced it with um, a, stand, a, a ground-based style, which wasn't willing to engage them on the feet, but would quite happily go out the deck with them. And, it, lay on your back and draw on it. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, Kano, being the, the, again the progressive guy that he was, actually then said, Well, screw it, we'll, we'll add that. And yeah. funnily enough, the, the Rue that specialized in just the ground fighting got absorbed, it just disappeared yeah. because it was great at one thing, but it wasn't great at all things. So, so judo became a much more rounded style. So it's great to see that, that methodology and that thought process still moving forward. What I find interesting is with yourself, it was a definite decision to go down the jiu jitsu route. You just sort of like shelved what you'd done and all the achievements you got there. And you moved on from it. So for you, it was revolution, not evolution. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, uh, uh, the, the thing is, uh, well, another thing I was going to say, I mean, you know, when you talk about the kicking and punching arts, you know, uh, taekwondo, um, uh, karate, you know, uh, certain styles of kung fu, you know, Chinese boxing, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, Muay Thai even, um, my opinion, my opinion, uh, you get to a certain age and you are no longer capable of doing the things you used to do when you were 20, 30, mm -hmm. 35, whatever, you mm -hmm. know. Um, whereas I believe that jujitsu, um, grappling, catch wrestling, whatever, you know, you can carry on doing that until you're old and bold. Oh, look, old and bold. Um, you know, I think, I think that is, is like Aikido, you know what I mean? I mean, like there are certain arts I think are suited, 
but super effective that you can continue. You know, once you are in your 70s and can no longer throw a Jodan Mawashige, you know, I mean, but you can still manipulate joints because, of course, we know that jiu-jitsu, even catch wrestling and what have you, it's technique. It's nothing to do with uh, physical strength per se. It's all technique, leverage, counter leverage. You know what I mean? I think that's um, a fair comment. I genuinely do. Um, Carl yeah. Gotch famously once said a wrestler is at his peak at 45, which right. is typically about 15 years after in most sporting mindsets you're done. Because when you Absolutely. get hit in 30 in MMA box, it's like, ooh, downward slope from here on, son. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look at look at the, look at the Gracies, you know, Helio Gracie and what have you. I mean, um, he was a little old man who could still mm. do it. Now I know that BJJ was taught to the Gracies by the judoka. What was it, Mitsuo Shiba? Uh, Maida. Maida, Maida. Um, okay, so I know they were actually taught by a Japanese judo guy who also did no holes barred. I, I, I. I also know that there's quite a few BJJ exponents out there that that don't know that and don't want to acknowledge that BJJ actually had its roots in Japan. Uh, or uh, he was actually, funny enough, he was actually known as a cat's wrestler too, which isn't... There you go. There you go. Um, but as I say, I mean, you know, look at, look at Gracie. I mean, you know, he carried on until his dying day and he was a little frail old man by all accounts. Uh, so, as I say, it's just proof that um, the catch wrestling system, the jiu-jitsu, the grappling system, you know, you can carry on with that a lot longer. You just said it, you know, most sportsmen and women are in their prime when they're 30, 35, you know. Uh, I mean, we know, like, like, even sprinters, if they go past the age of 35, we're thinking they're some kind of demigod. You know? <laughs> Whereas this kind of thing, and that's why I, I, I love jiu-jitsu so much, because... I can still do it every bit as well, if not better as I get older, than, than I could have done if I'd have continued with my karate. I mean, like, the good thing is, yes, I do have the knowledge up here, the, the kick-punch knowledge up here. I, I, um, I retired from karate at the grade of fourth-degree black belt, so that's a, that's a well-respected rank, and I'm really happy what I achieved in that. However... Um, I think it's true to say that everything we ever do, everything we've ever done brings us to where we are right now. Yeah. You know? And if my journey had taken a different route, I may not have met Billy Doak. I may not have started doing jujitsu and I may not have now recently been awarded my fifth degree in jujitsu, you know? So there's reasons that things happen. Um, even if you're throwing curveballs and uh, speed bumps in the road, there are reasons things happen to bring you where you are today. It literally becomes that butterfly effect, you know, the, the waft of Absolutely, the, the, the resonation that goes forward and things. Like, if you think, like, this is the strange thing. Yeah, I mean, our relationship. Ripples in a pond, man. Yeah, and our relationship and how we came so close over the years and, and trained together and, and grew together, you know, both as our artists and as individuals. And that wouldn't have happened um, if, you know, the butterfly hadn't wafted its wings in uh, the, in uh, in University of Hull, and then I went to Kent, and then I went to... It, there's so many small things that account for where we are. And it's very, yeah, you very think about you think about the coincidences, Jay. I mean, you know, I said this to you the other day when we caught up. You know, I, um, I'm not homophobic at all. I'm not. I'm really not. 
But I said to Jay the other day, you know, I'm not gay, but I love you as much as any man can love another man. Yeah. You know, outside and of the, outside of the internet. And, and, and I respect him. Love you for it, brother. I, I don't think there's very many people on this planet uh, that I respect a lot more than Jay. Um, but I mean, like, the thing is, you think about the coincidences, you know, first of all, a couple of British guys. Secondly, a couple of British guys who are well into their martial arts. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, a couple of British guys who moved to the same city in a, in a country that's 40 times bigger than Great Britain. And then a couple of British guys training at the same dojo. Yeah, you know I mean? there's, a, there's a lot of small pieces in that. All of that came together to, to, to bring this lifelong um, brothership and friendship. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, you know, ha things happen for a reason. Sometimes at the time you can't see what that reason is. Uh, all I can say is that I'm, I'm grateful to the universe, uh, at having brought people like me and you together. But the difference between me and you, I'll tell you what, a good friend of both of ours, Kerry Brown, he said the other day, um, he referred to me as the technical guru. Uh, you know, and, and that's a, a great honor. I, 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 no matter how good we get, we never stop learning. And it's always nice to be recognized and acknowledged for your ability. I'm still learning, you know. Um, but it's like I've always said about you, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm content with my jiu-jitsu and grappling knowledge. I still want to be better, but I'm content with my ability and my knowledge. However, you're an encyclopedia with all of these different areas, you know, and, and you're one of these people who does excel at whichever area you concentrate on, you know, um, uh, whether it's JKD, whether it's catch wrestling, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's, uh, you know, self-defense, whatever, you know, whatever you, and, and my friend Abs is very similar, whatever you concentrate on, you tend to excel at. Now, I've chosen to concentrate on grappling and jujitsu. So hopefully uh, people are um, happy with what are the knowledge I'm sharing with them, you know? I think that's fair. Um, and thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. Um, with myself, I you was always- pay me later. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think I got like 50 cents knocking around on the floor somewhere. <laughs> um, with myself, I was always blessed to have the opportunity or probably more accurately, the impetus to maintain. Because when I was in the police for 20 years, you know, you've got to keep your head sharp, otherwise you're going to get swamped. So yeah. my uh, environment was very much dictated my training where I went with it. So it's circumstances dictate um, training, training dictates circumstances, circumstances, blah, 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 like that. You very much went down the teaching route early on. So from your perspective, that might be why you went so technical because you're now passing this on to the next generation and making those students coming through. Um, you retired from like having a club and an active teaching. You're now again, almost not, I don't like the word Ronin because that implies it's no choice. You're now like the guest instructor. So you go from school to school to school. Yeah. Um, so have you any visions or desires to become more full-time in that or is now, and we'll draw in on the other stuff you do in your life because the acting book bit you late on. Um, are you now more concerned with developing that side of yourself and martial arts is something you do to keep you sane or are you looking at running these two things side by side these days? Um, I like to think jujitsu is something I'll never quit. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's in my blood. And also I, uh, you know, I, I've, I've never done drugs. 
I've never been a heavy drinker. I only ever drink light beer. Can't remember the last time I got hammered. Um, uh, but I smoke cigarettes. So that's my only addiction. However, I think uh, somewhere in my brain, I'm literally addicted to teaching. I just mm -hmm. love teaching. I just love sharing knowledge. If I can, if I can learn off a beginner, I will. But if I can teach a black belt something that he's never seen, I will. I just love sharing knowledge. So I, I like to think that I'll never quit jujitsu or teaching specifically. And the reason I love teaching so much is because, you know, I've got um, um, a knee injury, uh, which was actually given to me whilst I was allowing a student to try a technique on me. Okay, give it a go. There goes my knee. <laughs> so... So I've got uh, quite a nasty tear in my meniscus and I've got a uh, partial tear in my ACL. However, I'm a coward and I don't want to go under the knife to get it fixed. <laughs> so therefore I thought, you know what, maybe this is God telling me, don't do the grappling anymore, Kevin, just pass on the knowledge instead. Mm -hmm. so, so I just put on my knee support. I know what I can and can't do with my body now. And now I just, just love sharing the knowledge. Um, passions, acting. Right. Okay. I've got three passions in my life. Well, four if you class friends as well, but let's just stick to my own personal selfish passions. I've got three passions in life in this order. Some people might not like me putting them in this order, but my children are my first passion. I love them more than life. Yeah. You know, I would do what, what, what their mother did, you know, lay down her life in order to save my children's, you know? Um, I die for them twice. You know, you can kill me, bring me back to life, kill me again. You know, that's how passionate I am about my children. Uh, my second passion is acting. Mm -hmm. My third passion is teaching. However, the space between the acting and teaching is about that much. <laughs> and also you know, probably depends on what day we ask you the question. It's, <laughs> side by side, it's a side-by-side -side passion. It's a side-by-side -side passion. And you're right. I didn't get into acting until later. You know, when Linda passed away, it really made me realize that life is too short not to chase your dreams. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that stops us from achieving our dreams are the, are the excuses we give ourselves as to why we can't achieve them. Um, so, you know, if you don't quit, you can't fail. You know, so in other words, if you're chasing something, whether it is a... Uh, whether it is a, um, a, a acting or whether it is writing or whether it is painting or whether it is um, uh, playing music, whatever it is, you know, if you've got a goal that you want to achieve, just, just follow it, just follow it. You know, at the end of the day, if you don't quit, you can't fail. So you're either going to succeed or you're going to die trying. So it's not a wasted journey. Um, Earl Nightingale said, his definition of success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Mm -hmm. So therefore, even if you are not successful in the field that you are chasing, if you are taking steps to become successful in that field, then you are already succeeding. You know, to that end, I think I am becoming successful in the acting world and in the martial arts teaching world, you know. That's interesting, though, especially with regards to the acting, because you hit it right out the gate, like very, very fast. You went from 
you know what? I'd like to give this acting gig a bit of a try. And from there, you went straight to, hey, I've got a major part in the TV syndicated show that everyone around the world is actually going to see. So it was a meteoric, like, you know, almost prodigal rise to, um, to, to prominence within acting. Yet you don't see that as a success. You see that as a starting point. Um, so let's, let's go back to that because, I mean, like I said, I introduced you as the walking boss. That's now your name forevermore um, <laughs> because you became the walking boss, Paddy Quinn, in Hell on Wheels. But to start so meteoric, to go boom right in there and have a speaking role in a major production and a recurring character, that must have given you a, a huge shot in the arm. Um, talk us through that, what you were thinking and, and, and how it all came about. Well, okay, so um, the first acting gig I had was in this low-budget, independent zombie comedy that no one ever saw. Um, you know, that was, uh, uh, it was, it was, yeah, but, uh, but it was great fun. It was great experience. And that got me the bug, even though it was very low budget. Um, um, but it was fun to do. My second role was for Paddy Quinn. And I think I told the story last time I was supposed to be a throwaway character. Mm. Uh, now what happens, unfortunately, at the moment in, in Alberta, what tends to happen is the, major stars are brought up from the States and then the secondary stars or the principal characters are usually brought in from Ontario or BC. And usually us here in Alberta, when it comes to major productions coming here to film, we get the scraps, we get the little actor roles, you know? So when I auditioned for Paddy, I was supposed to be a throwaway character appearing in one scene of one episode and that's it, you'd never see me again. I did, uh, I, I believe I did tell this story last time, but for those who've forgotten it, um, I had a callback audition. Um, and four days after the callback audition, uh, my agent said, what did you do at your callback? And I said, what, did I screw it up? And she said, no, they've written you in as a recurring character. Nice. So my one scene ended up being a recurring character in the final three seasons. So... I was very, 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 very fortunate uh, to have been seen by the right person at the right time. Um, and that's what gave me that start. I can remember my brother saying to me, how the hell did you manage that? He said, even people like Brad Pitt and John Travolta started on commercials and what have you, and, and, or doing background. And you seem to have leapfrogged over that straight into a recurring role on a major... Uh, major show that screened in like 120 countries kind of thing yes i was very very fortunate however you're right that was just a starting point the problem with alberta is um as i say when major productions are filming here from say the states us alberta actors just get the scraps you know and, and bear in mind, you know, we might only um, film five or six productions here a year as things stand, as we're saying this. And you've got all of these actors in Alberta who are all vying for the few roles that they might get thrown. You know, they might get thrown some crumbs and we're all fighting for it. So therefore, when you bear in mind that there might be six productions filmed here a year, and yet if you go to Vancouver, there are usually over 80 you know well over 10 times as many even though the competition is greater and there are far more actors in the province of bc than there are in alberta then it makes sense for me to um in order to chase that dream and make it a reality to relocate so 
that's what I'm actually uh, arranging at the moment. I'm actually arranging to relocate to BC. Um, we don't know what the future brings. So I'm planning on going out there. I'm setting myself uh, a goal of at least starting the journey to arrive where I want to arrive for two years. If it doesn't work, I just come back here and I just go back into construction, whatever, you know. Um, if it does work, I stay there and I just come home every two or three months to visit friends and family. But once again, we're back to this. If you don't quit, you can't fail. You know, another, another way of looking at that is if you don't try, you will never know, you know? So, and that's a strong that's, philosophy to take you through. I mean, you, you're literally, again, it's that ability to recognize that I want this to happen. So you're not yes. waiting for this to happen. You want it to happen. So your actions are making move towards achieving that goal that you set yourself on because again for most people i mean you're slightly north of 40 um so uh how dare you sir? how dare you, how sir? Dare you? I, just had a, I just had a hard paper round right <laughs> but it's interesting because like you're still like saying you know what i still have these things i want to achieve so at a time when most people are saying well that's kind of me now put on the veranda and watch your grandkids grow up you're now like, you know, I'm still, no, I still want to do shit. I'm still going to go out and do shit. And it's that eternal, you know, pursuit of what you want to do and where you want to go with it. Um, and it's really cool to watch. Like when you told me you're moving to BC, I was like, yeah, good on you, lad, like that. Because, again, I still think I'm 18 with the world in front of me. So I think it's nice to see someone else. Someone else has got that oblivious nature to why bits are falling off their body when they wake up in the morning. Do you think that's well, something? Do you always encourage that in your students, uh, your children, and your, your your circle as well? Because you do have this infectious enthusiasm for pursuing those dreams, and you never let life kind of like knock you. Uh, I mean, and given what you've gone through, you'd have every right to, but you never stay down. How is it that you're able to pursue and keep that focus? What is it that gives you that drive to keep going forward for it? Don't let the bastards grind you down, you know. And if um, they do, Paul said in the Epic Titus said in the first century, um, it's not what happens to us, it's how we react to what happens. So we've always got a choice, you know. Um, also, another thing about this life is it's never too late to change the direction of your life. For example, you know, Colonel Sanders, he didn't even start the KFC thing until he was 65, mm. you know. And he got turned down, I think it was something like 1,009 times before someone actually agreed to take on his recipe. You know, so it's like when someone says no, you don't give up. You just say, OK, next. You know, we know people. We all know people. We say, what do you do for a living? And they say, oh, I'm a, an electrician. And you say, OK, do you like it? And they say, no, I freaking hate it. Well, why don't you do something else? Oh, no, 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 I couldn't do anything else. Now, the thing is, people get stuck in their comfort zone, in their comfort bubble. And I get that. Change is scary. You know, I mean, like we get settled into a basic routine and lifestyle. And like you said, we think this is me. This is it. This is my life. However, if we can be brutally honest with ourselves, we have all got a passion. As I said earlier, whether it is acting, teaching, playing the guitar, playing the piano, you know, whatever. Um, but a lot of us are fearful to chase our dreams for fear of failure. Mm. You know, a lot of us are fearful to step. But Jack Canfield said, everything we want is on the other side of fear. 
And there's a, there's a great book out there. You don't even have to read the book. You just read the title. It's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Gavin DeBecker you know? that one. I can't remember who wrote the book. I actually, I actually bought the book for my son um, because Joshua is one of the most amazing human beings on the planet, and yet he lets himself get in his own head sometimes. So I bought this book in order to help him out. It's a very inspirational book. But as I say, I mean, a lot of people are fearful of chasing their dreams of fear of failure. I'll tell you what, you get other people, it's like in the acting world here, there's certain people that will say, no, no, you don't want to go to BC. It's very difficult to make it out there. Very, very difficult. Okay, well, they are just talking about their own experience because they didn't have the talent or the courage or whatever you needed to sort of like go out there or succeed. You know, that we judge others by what we know of ourselves. So just because they didn't make it, they're assuming you're not going to make it. Um, another thing is, is quite, quite unfortunate, some people who haven't succeeded in a certain field don't want to see anyone else succeed in that field mm -hmm. because that will bring home to them that they didn't succeed. Yeah, the they could they, they could have done it and didn't. They didn't persist. You know, like I say, if you don't quit, you can't fail. You know, the old saying, quit is never win and win is never quit, you know? Yeah. And a powerful, powerful philosophy moving forward with that. I mean, that can literally revolutionize someone's life if you adapt that going on. Yeah. Um, I'm always quick to draw the parallels between how we train and what we train in and life as a rule. And I'm going Absolutely. to draw a jujitsu parallel for you now. And this may be one reason you gravitated to the arts, uh, jujitsu so strongly, who knows, but you can't force a move in jujitsu. You can't force an armbar onto somebody. It has to just be something you work your way through until eventually you find that opening and then you take it but it's constant yeah. pursuit of it. It's not like in boxing, I fire a jab, boom, and it falls short. That jab has failed. But it's not the jab here that's going to hit you. It's the cross coming, and it's the hook that I'll catch you in, so it's building to it. Jiu-Jitsu yeah. is even more than that, because in Jiu-Jitsu, it's that position until they give it to you. And then once they've given it to you, then you recognize that opportunity and you accept that opportunity. So it's that progressive approach to life. Just keep going, just keep moving, just keep grinding. And yeah. um, that book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, which I've just had someone come up here saying, Susan Jeffers. I think the gift of fear with Gavin DeBecker could. Anyway, there's lots of people you were with fear in the cycling. But it is interesting that Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, because we want security in life. We want to, we want to be able to say, well, you know what, we're good to go. And I've been guilty of it myself in the past, certainly much so these days. But we say, when I've done X, then I'll be in a position to do Y. But a lot of people never get to that why because X never happens. That security and that complete position of perfection that we want never actually takes place. Like when people mm -hmm. say, I'd love to do martial arts, but I want to get in shape first. It's like, well, that's like getting oh, that. Oh, how many times have you heard that? Seriously. Uh, 17,412. <laughs> A very precise number there, Ken. Uh <laughs> But it's, just, but it's true, though, because it's like saying, well, I'd love to go to school, and get, uh, but I want to get educated before I start. Or, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like, but in your case, it was like, I'd love to do acting, but I want to get some. No, you just like, right, I want to do acting, so fuck it, I'm going to act. And you yeah, went straight to it, you know, and that's basically what yeah. you did. Um, yeah. Have you found that um, that has drawn, because, you again, you, you, you made a lot of friends within that acting community very, very quickly, some relatively big names because of what you were exposed to, in the same yeah. way you made connections within the martial arts community. 
Do you think that that philosophy of do it anyway is what gravitates people to you? So you almost become like that beacon. I think, um, I think who I am is predominantly down to my mum and Linda, my first wife who passed, you know, um, yeah. they both brought out the best in me. Um, especially my mother, obviously, you know, she raised me and my brother on her own. Our dad walked out on us when we were kids, never saw him again, never heard from him again. So mum gave me all the qualities to be able to look in the mirror and be proud of the man she raised. Uh, so I think uh, the thing that, uh, I, you know, and I, I, I choose my friends carefully and what have you, and I have got a lot of friends who share these same qualities, but I think uh, the things that me and you share predominantly, uh, we, we have integrity and we are genuine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and I think people read that vibe uh, whether they are training under you or whether they are acting opposite you, I think, you know, we have got an, an aura, if you like. We do give out a certain vibe. And I think that might be why people either like or respect me. Um, and some don't, you know. I mean, like, those who don't are usually, I don't know, maybe a little insecure. Um, maybe a little envious. I don't know. I mean, I'm just me. I've never professed to be all that in a bag of potato chips. Um, I'm still learning in the martial arts world. I'm still learning in the acting world. I know I've done better than, than some in both of those worlds. I know I want to be so much better in both of those worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I say, I think people, it's like you, you know, people gravitate towards you for the same reason they gravitate towards me, because they, they sense that we are genuine, we are passionate about what we're doing, and they can respect and admire that. And that's what attracts people to us, you know, no matter what world we're in. We could be bricklayers, but people would still like hanging out with us because of who we are as human beings, you know what I mean? That's um, and it always reminds me of Tully Blanchard, one of the four horsemen. Um, mm. Four horsemen, the symbol of excellence. And he said, the standard is to be the best you can be at whatever it is you do. He said, so if you're going to be yeah. a screw up, you be the best damn screw up you can actually be. Absolutely. That authenticity. If you want, if you want to be a street, it's like it's like um, Einstein said. You know, if you're going to be a street sweeper, sweep that street as best you possibly can. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, I, 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 I say often, you know, we judge others by what we know of ourselves because we have certain, certain passions and, and uh, ethics and morals. We expect people to share those values, but they don't always do it. But I mean, you, you made a really good point there. We can only be as good as we can be. For example, I mean, like, you know, there are some things I physically, physically cannot do, which you can and vice versa. So that is the best, the best um, benchmark is to be as good as you can be at what you choose to do. Absolutely. Brilliant. Take me forward a couple of years time now. So I'm going to give you three areas, life, martial arts and film. And I know they're intrinsically interlinked. What's your goals, ambitions? And what do you want to achieve in those three, three parts of yourself? Okay, I want to see you more often. We can arrange that, although that's largely at my end because I'm the world's worst appointment keeper. Um, 
Okay, so what I, 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 I really want to be in a position where I can safeguard the financial future of my children. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, Joshua, um, I don't know if the viewers know, my son has cerebral palsy. He's been in a wheelchair all his life and he is unable to, or they're, well, unable to work. He's got the use of his left arm. So, you know, the job prospects for him are minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always worry about his financial future. You know, if he can continue uh, paying the caregivers wages and stuff like that. So um, I want to, one of my goals is to be able to safeguard the financial security and future of my children. Okay. We'll put that to one side because that's a given and that's something that's always been in my heart and head. Um, as for acting and martial arts, my goal is within five years to be successful enough to be able to come back to Calgary and live here and for the productions in other provinces or countries to say, yeah, we want Kevin in our film. We'll fly him over. We'll accommodate him because we want him in our film. Nice. You know, I'll give you an example. It's like um, uh, Hemsley, whatever his name is, who plays Thor. You know, he lives in Australia, but of course, they fly him to LA to film these films because they want him in the film. Now, in order to get to that level where I can potentially say to all the production, you know what, I'm moving back to Calgary to be back with my kids. Uh, if you want me, you'll have to fly me over. You know, I, I, that would be a goal for me to reach that level of success. However... I shouldn't say if it happens, I should say when it happens to keep the positivity going. But however, by that point, I don't know, I might have met someone falling in love and decide to live in BC or elsewhere, I don't know. So I'm trying to remain open uh, to what the universe brings me. Um, And as I said, you know, I'm going to give myself two years out there. And if it doesn't work, I come back. You know, we've got to believe that sometimes... um, things aren't meant to be now i believe i'm on this acting path because i'm meant to be on it i i believe you know things things happened in order to push me in that direction to chase that dream so i don't think it's wrong for me to be chasing it and i do believe there is um there's a, a good chance that i can at least succeed as a working actor in other words be able to comfortably pay my bills i don't want to be tom cruise i don't want to be brad pitt but I love being on set. I love acting. It's get, you're getting paid for pretending. You know, you're playing make-believe and you're getting paid for it. Um, so all I want is to be able to comfortably pay my bills solely due to acting without having to hold down a day job to pay my bills as well, you know. Um, uh, as for life, um, so that's my acting. Um, as for life, I just want me and my children and those dearest to me to be happy and healthy and have long lives uh, into our 90s. Martial arts wise, as I say, I can never see myself quitting martial arts. Um, I want to continue teaching and it would be lovely, absolutely lovely, if my name can get out there as a respected instructor. Now, as you know, I recently started my own YouTube channel. You didn't. Um, 
I've been doing it for like, I don't know, two or three months now. I've only got like 130 subscribers, which is fine. You know, I'm not in it for the money. I'm in it literally to share knowledge. But for any viewers watching this who aren't subscribed, go to YouTube and put in a search for Kev Jitsu, Kev-Jitsu. And that'll take you to one of my videos and you can subscribe and you can hit the bell symbol so you get notifications. But I'm putting videos up there every week. And, you know, it's, I, I suppose one thing about being an instructor is it's nice to get um, respect. You know, I don't want to be put on a pedestal. I don't want to be put on a pedestal, but I do want people to think, you know what? Yeah, this guy, Kevin, does know what he's doing. He's, he seems to be quite a nice guy kind of thing. You know, that's enough for me, you know? So... I mean, it's a, it's a laudable thing and something when we did our catch up the other day and we were talking about perceptions within the martial arts community and because of the standard we hold ourselves to and who we look as our instructors and our inspirations and our role models, we're constantly going to the top of the mountain and sometimes we forget to just glance back over our own shoulder and see how we've actually climbed <laughs> yeah. ourselves. That was a great analogy, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and um, I think that's probably true of so many of the things um, that, that you've done. Like, you know, a lot of people would have like, you know, a jacket with Kev Davy, I've seen in Hell and Wheels and blazing <laughs> over it. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was everywhere they go, they'd be handing out, you know, Paddy Quinn pieces. Um, yeah. But for you, it's, it's it, the journey and that excitement seems to be every bit as thrilling as that end destination because you don't have an end destination. You just move on to the next thing once you, you reach a certain point. And it I think evolved. that's something that's it always going to get you it good evolved. in life. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to throw out some questions just in case anyone's got any to throw in there because the hour has once again gone by in the blink of an eye. Um, Holy mother of sweet baby jeepers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now we're at 45. So I always I throw it to the floor at this time, see if anybody's got anything you want to ask. And the Bulldog himself, as always, our regular contributor and our regular uh, commentator, he wants to throw one in. So I am going to bring him on. Uh, no, that's not it. Technical. I'll edit this so I don't want like a buffoon on the actual we thing. We are experiencing technical difficulties. We are. Bulldog, you got a question. Throw it on the board. Hi, guys. Hi, Kev. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thank you, sir. Now, Kev, you said... Uh, what people should do is just jump in with both feet and I wholeheartedly agree. However, there's a big push at the moment and we're getting there, mental health. Yes. Martial arts can change your life, as you know. Absolutely. Fitness can change your life. But for someone who's really suffering anxiety, just getting to the first class is a massive deal. Yeah. Can you give a piece of advice to someone maybe who's anxious but really wants to start just to get them through the front door? Okay. Um, instructors want. Okay, so what I discovered after my wife passed away, I discovered, and I think this might be a British thing, uh, you know, we, we, we're we islands, we're big, strong, tough, we've got to go through this on our own kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. And yes. it is shit, you yes. know, because no man is an island. So... What I learned to do when Linda was killed is I learned to ask for help. So I lent on, on those friends who I could rely on and what have you. <clears throat> when you've got someone who has um, depression or anxiety or, or mental health issues, stress, whatever, all they need to do to get through that door, in my opinion, all they need to do is lean on a friend who will help them go through the door. In other words, 
let's suppose it's me and you, and you're the one with anxiety. I'm going to come around your place. I'm going to say, come on, Bulldog, let's fucking go, dude. We'll do this together. I'll yeah, hold yeah, your yeah, hand man. and we'll do it together. You know? Now, the thing is, after that first lesson, I might not choose to, or I certainly won't need to ever attend again, but I will have helped you get through that door. You know, I would have helped you take that first rung of the ladder. So I think people who want to, and, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way at all, but I think people who might suffer from extreme anxiety, who want to do it, but who are fearful to do it, metaphorically, they need someone literally to hold their hand through the door for the first time. And once they've done it, it's like someone being scared of a roller coaster. They finally get on the roller coaster. They love it. They want to do it again. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think all I would say is someone who's fearful of starting on their own, they literally need company to go with them to start that first class. You know? Absolutely agree. And you said they just got to get through the door and that's all they need to do. Students Absolutely. love seeing new people. You'll be cared for after that. So well, well, yeah, then again, I mean, you know, that, that's a bit of a contentious point. It depends on the instructor and the students of that. You know, I'll tell you what, I was talking to someone the other day. Uh, they were talking to me about martial arts. They weren't martial artists, but they were asking me about martial arts. I said, I'll tell you what, if you want to know the two distinct types of martial artists, watch the film Warrior. You know, um, uh, most martial artists have seen that. The film Warrior, not The Warriors, I mean Warrior, uh, with Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is the egotistical bully who just likes hurting people. And Joel Edgerton is the passionate technician who just loves the art, you know. Uh, now, thankfully, I mean, like most of the people who I mixed with, who Jay mixes with, you know, we're all birds of a feather because we are passionate, we are welcoming, we are humble. You know, if you go into a class where the, where, you know, it's like Cobra Kai, hit first, hit hard, no mercy, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the kind of place we all want to shy away from, you know. Um, but of course, you don't know that until you step in the dojo door. But as I say, yeah, I mean, that's all I can suggest to anyone listening who, who does want to give it a go. And, and you are 100% right. You know, martial arts, as well as my mother's upbringing and the input from Linda and what have you, martial arts has made me who I am. You know, martial arts will always help. You know, it will help with discipline. It will help with uh, self-control. It will help with confidence. It will help with anxiety. It will help with stress. You know, um, when my wife passed away, I stopped teaching and partaking in martial arts for quite a while. Uh, when I decided to go back to it, it literally was therapy for me. You know, it was releasing my innermost pain in a controlled, safe environment. So it can help in so many ways up here, you know. But Absolutely. as I say, yeah, they just, they just need someone to metaphorically or even literally put their arm around their shoulder or hold them by the hand, walk them in the door. And once they're in the door, they're going to be safe. They're going to be looked after. And like you say, they're going to be welcomed. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. Great question. Paul. Thanks for asking, man. And there we go. Um, an hour. Boom. Gone by again, bro. Gone by again. My God. I know, seriously. And you did well. You didn't like sneak up for a cheeky break, so you did okay this time. <laughs> <laughs> you did good. 
Um, once again, thanks for joining us, brothers. It's always a joy to talk to you. And I, I find your story a continuing source of inspiration. Um, and I find your example one to adhere to as well, because it just makes you realize that, you know, sometimes, you know, like the old saying, it's not how many times you fall, it's how many times you get back up and you're basically a yeah, rubber ball. You just keep bouncing, <laughs> you keep going along and things like that as yeah. well. So if anybody wants Once to get again, a hold... I mean, it's like, it's like uh, Henry Ford said, and I said it last time, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. You're right. Yep. Beautiful quote. Mm -hmm. Always one of my mm -hmm. favorites. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, bro, what's the best way that they can do that then? Because, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people wanting to reach out and, and uh, contact you for one reason or another. So how's the best way they can get a hold of you these days? Um, well, I'm not going to give out my phone number, but... <laughs> Um, That's why I said the best way, not give us your phone number. It's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm on Facebook uh, as Kevin Davy, and my symbol on Facebook is the actual emblem of the SAS. I had a couple of friends who were in the SAS, and I love, I love their motto, who dares wins, you know? So that's the symbol on Facebook of the winged dagger with who dares wins, Kevin Davy on Facebook. Uh, I've got two accounts on Instagram. One is at Davey underscore Kevin. That's D-A-V-E-Y underscore Kevin. That's my personal account. Um, and also I've now just opened up a new account on Instagram, which is at Sneaky underscore Jitsu. And that's specifically for the videos. Uh, as I said earlier, I'm also on YouTube as well. If you just put in Kev dash Jitsu, that will take you to that. Um, I do have a Twitter account um, at Kevin Davy 2014, but I'm rarely on there to be honest. So I would say um, Instagram, Facebook, um, or if you want to drop any comments or subscribe to my YouTube channel, you can always kind of reach me through there as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, Kev. Um, always a blast, always a joy, and um, continue success in what you're doing. And um, yeah, let's let's meet up again soon. And again, that's on me, not on you. So we'll work that out. <laughs> it's always an honour to be on here, dude. And you know, if you if your viewers aren't bored with with listening to me talk, I'm happy to come on as many times as you want me on here, brother. Maybe we'll hit you up when you're in BC next time. We'll give it a few months and see how the the, the Kev Dor Kev Davy story continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, I'm not living in a skip. <laughs> well, you are that homeless Ronin. We covered that off at the beginning. You know, you still got your trolley so you can pick up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, my brother. I'm going to say peace out and much love to you, man. Take care of yourself. Love you, man. Love, love you man. too, Rob. Bye bye. Bye bye. And there you go, Kev Davy. Now, who dares wins? What a great, great summation of Kevin, his approach to life. You know, he always dares and he keeps on winning. And I'm sure he'll continue to do that. He'll keep daring, he'll keep winning, and he'll keep pushing through. And Kevin, one of those guys, like I said, you can draw continual inspiration from his example. Everything he's been through, everything life, the universe, and everything is thrown at him, he just picks himself up, dusts him off, and he just keeps going forward. He never lets it put him off his course. And there's a life lesson for everybody there. No matter where you are, no matter what you think doing, dare, and you'll win. And that's the lesson I think we can all take from this. Thanks very much for joining me on the Bang of the Hound. Um, I hope you had as much fun listening to Kevin as I did interviewing him. For me, it's literally like just having a pint with my friend, except even I'm not going to have a pint at 11 o'clock in the morning. 
Um, but uh, it's always a pleasure. It's always a joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do make sure that you like, subscribe, and share anywhere you feel like it. Uh, my guest next week will be the one and only Sensei John Titchen, which is going to be another interview which I can't wait to get my teeth into. Uh, and then moving forward from there, we've got a whole raft of, uh, of quality guests lined up, including once more, we'll be revisiting the very first guest I interviewed, the Morrigan Sarah J. Folk. So, uh, yeah, lots of really good content and stuff coming up. Thank you for your continued patronage and support, guys. It means a lot to me. Um, I started the Baying of the Hound as a little idea. Um, it keeps growing. It keeps getting better. And, hey, let's get it out there so I can still keep bringing these people to you guys so I can learn from them and then you guys can all learn at the same time. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. This is the Hound signing off. Peace out, everyone.